Welcome back to That Was a Close One. This is your host, Manisha, and this is a podcast where I tell my husband, aka co host Justin, true crime survival stories. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I still need to get used to uh, when I need to bud in. <laughs> we don't have. <laughs> We don't have the we don't have the whole uh, thing down pat. All right, thank you guys for listening to our very first episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Today's story is going to be a little bit longer than last week. Um, make sure to tune in every Tuesday. That's when we're going to upload a new episode. Yeah, <laughs> and I would also like to give out our Instagram follower shoutouts. So we got Emily, Michael, Marlet. Ashley, Cindy, Molly, and Laura. Thank you guys for following, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get into the story of Terry Nicolai. So, Terry Jadusa Nicolai. Terry was from Wisconsin. Her first husband was David Larson, and they married in April of 1996. And on their honeymoon, David and Terry were arguing about what she was going to wear for dinner that night. And that's when David hit her. He hit her because they were arguing about what she was going to wear? Yes, because he was very controlling over her. Oh, okay. That makes yes. sense. Yes. Terry knew that David had a bad temperament, but there was, this was the first time she saw a controlling side of him. She wanted to divorce him, but they just got married, and she didn't want to feel ashamed or people to judge her or anything like that. Throughout their marriage, he would constantly get mad at her for the smallest inconveniences and was controlling. He always wanted her to have the door open to the bathroom when she was showering or just using the bathroom in general. She was scared to mess anything up. If she broke anything on accident, she would hurry up and clean it up and throw it in the neighbor's trash can so he wouldn't see it when he got home. Um, because he would yell at her and call her names and stuff. One time she threw out some old freezer burned meat and he beat her, telling her that was a waste of his money. She should have just cooked it for him and let him get sick. Oh, I know. She decided to leave him because their two-year-old was crying and she wouldn't stop crying. So he went over to her and yelled at her, like, you know, calling her stuff and told her shut up and stuff. And she saw that and she was like, that's enough. That was the breaking point. I was yelling at the daughter? Yes. And she was only two, so that's... No, 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 no. Like that, that dude needs to go to like a mental, it's like a mental place because it seems way more than just anger. It's like a full mental issue wrong with him. Yeah, it's like super, super controlling. The day of the divorce, David told her that she's going to regret this divorce, this marriage ending. Um, in 2003, she remarried a man named Nick Nicolai. He was a positive role model for her two-year-old. I mean, her two little girls. Um, so Terry and David had a joint custody of the girls. So whenever she went to pick him up and and drop off the kids from David's house, he would yell at her and he would get physical with her. So she decides to make him swap the kids in public places in fear of herself and her children. 
Well, I wouldn't blame her. I mean, why would I don't even know how he even got joint custody. I I don't know, but scary. Um, she also filed a restraining order on him after calling the cops a couple of times when they would swap the kids, and he would abuse her. Um, but it was difficult swapping her kids now because she would all had to always had to bring somebody with her, like a friend. But she couldn't bring her new husband because he would get really, really mad. I mean, I would think this would probably be about the safest way is to bring like a friend or something with you. That way you at least have another pair of eyes. Yes. Terry decides to just continue to pick up the girls from his home because it was always an inconvenience of her to bring somebody. Because she couldn't, you know, always find someone to go with her. Um, she just hoped that he wouldn't try to abuse her when she would drop off the kids. And then when she would drop off the girls, she would notice that his house was in a terrible condition. It looked like a hoarder's house. And it would also, um, he would also act like a hoarder. Like he would just keep junk all over his house. She never stepped foot inside, but every time she opened the door, you know, that's what she saw. Um, she said that he made their kids watch their old wedding video and tell them, look, your mommy doesn't keep promises. It's a bad person. Just because, you know, they divorce. And then, on January 30, 30th, 2004, Terry and Nick find out that they are pregnant. And the next day, January 31st, was the four-year anniversary of Terry and David's divorce. So she called David so she could go ahead and go pick up the girls from his house. She, want, she wanted them to be ready. Because they had somewhere else to go that day and she just wanted them, you know, come out so she don't have to step out of her car. Nick wanted to give, wanted to go with her, but David would get really mad, you know, scream at them. Um, so she went alone. David yells at Terry and tells her that the girls are not ready, which I made her upset because she's like, you know, I told you to have the girls ready so we could just leave. He had one job. Right. So since, you know, she's scared to be in that area, she goes back to her car and waits for them a little bit longer. While she was waiting, she noticed that it was taking longer than usual for them to get ready. So she goes up to the door. She knocks on it again. And David tells her, oh, the girls are hiding. They want to they want to play hide and seek. They want you to find them. Oh, yeah, they're definitely hiding, aren't they? This was the first time that David has ever let her back in the home since the day she left. This made her feel like something was up in her gut. But she starts looking for the girls, and that's when he hit her in the head with a baseball bat in the back of her head. Yeah, if that's the first time that he ever let her back in his home ever since they got divorced, and he's like, oh, come look for him, come find him. That's a red flag right there. She should have just went back to her car and called the police or something. Yeah, I know. But I guess maybe she, like, feared that something happened to her kids. Because, you know, they didn't come out. That's what I would think. Well, yeah. I mean, if he's not going to bring them out and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're playing hide and go seek. And it's like, no, they're not. You're just trying to get me in here. So then he begins to beat her to death with the baseball bat. He puts a towel over her head and ties her hands and her legs together. 
while in the process of doing this, her pants fall off accidentally. Um, but, you know, he didn't do anything. He didn't sexually assault her or anything. He just beat her and stuff. And um, Then he wrapped uh, duct tape all over her from her head all the way down to her feet. Then he takes her body and puts it in a Rubbermaid garbage can. So, like, you know, the big garbage cans? Yeah, like the big plastic ones. Yes, yes. Um, takes it outside, and he begins to fill it with snow. So he's, like, dragging it around with the lid open, getting snow in it while she's inside of it. Then he takes the garbage can, and he puts it in the back of his truck. He goes into the home to get the girls and puts them in the back seat. And then he goes to a storage unit. So the girls were hearing all of that, which is really sad because they're really young, yes. But he was beating their mom while they were inside the house. I couldn't imagine if you were that young, you didn't know what's going on, you just heard a lot of screaming and banging, and then later on down the road, you figure out all that noise you heard when you were that young was your dad beating your mom to death, and shoo. I know. Three hours pass by, and Nick starts to get worried. He decides to call the police, because he knows if he goes over there, if, you know, David did anything, he's going to do something to Nick. So he calls the police, and when they call the police, um, the, oh, hold on. And when the police get to David's house, they saw a blood stain and her black pants with duct tape on it. So they place a Amber Alert for her and her girls. So now back to David. David drags the garbage can into the storage unit and duct tapes the lid of the can and puts boxes all on top of it. So he's got it all wrapped up in tape, covered with boxes. And he leaves with the girls. Later on, the police find his truck at work. And they detain him. So he just went back to work after this. People, I don't understand how they have the mental conscience to be able to do something like that. And just go on and live in like their daily life like they didn't even do anything. I know. Like, he just committed a murder. And then he goes back to work like nothing ever happened. He tells the cops that Terry never showed up to his house to pick up the girls. But the cops know he is lying because they already went to his house and they saw the evidence. And when they were interrogating him, he had blood on his pants. He didn't even go change. He literally wore the same thing he wore and he murdered her. So this is when he came up with a story saying that Terry walked into the house with a hammer over her head and that her pants were down to her ankles and she was so scared. So... He hit her with a baseball bat, and he doesn't remember what happened after that. Like, what kind of story is that? <laughs> Who's going to come in your house with a hammer over the head with their pants down? Like, I couldn't even imagine just seeing someone <laughs> coming in there with a hammer over their head, their pants down. Like, how are you supposed to take that even seriously? Like, are you supposed to feel threatened or just be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know. But he wanted to make sure that they knew that her pants was down because, like, he didn't want them to think that he, like, raped her. But, like, that's what they, he doesn't, not because he murdered, he just doesn't want them to know, think that he raped her. Like, what the heck? 
Like, her pants being below her waist or even off is the least of his worries right now. I know. <laughs> the cops tell him that at 11 a.m., Terry called 911, telling them that her ex-husband was trying to kill her. And she was inside a garbage can in the back of his truck. So she survived. She called 911 while she was in the back of his truck in that garbage can filled with snow. You'd think he would take her phone or anything off of her. But Hank, if her pants came off, how'd she have her phone? She's a woman. You can put your phone in your bra. Uh, there's My mom's the only one that's that But this was in the 2000s, so the phones weren't that big. Well, either way, my mom's the only one that I've known that ever put a phone in her bra. I've, uh, any other girls, either in their back pocket or their purse. True. So, we're going to tell the story how Terry survived this. All right. So, while David was beating her, Terry decided to play dead. And he didn't notice, you know, he thought she was really dead. Oh, that's already smart on her part. Even through all that pain just getting hit with the freaking baseball bat being able just to play limp and not even make a sound or whatever just sucking it up and being like you know what my best choice just lay dead play possum yes and when he went inside to get the girls she grabbed her phone and that's when she she fails to call 911 she tried but she couldn't um she couldn't see anything all she could feel was the numbers and then finally, she got a hold of the 911 operators. She tried to speak, but her mouth was wrapped in duct tape. When David started to drive, she heard the police in the background. But they went to the house because that was what she was telling them to go. So, like, when she was in the back of the truck, she was, like, calling them, telling the address over and over and over again. That's the only thing she could say at the moment. She grabs her phone again. And she calls Nick. And she could not talk much because she was so beaten up. And she kept blacking in and out because she's been so beaten up. She probably had a concussion or something like that. Yeah, most likely. So she tells him what's happening the best she can. She tells, um, So he tells her to hurry up and call 911. I don't know why he didn't call 911. And her new husband didn't call 911 when he noticed she wasn't missed or wasn't calling back or something like that? Yeah, like, she was talking to him, and then she was like, and then he was like, call 911. She told, you know, he told her to call 911. She's like, I've already tried that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought he would, but I guess he couldn't understand her or something. I mean, you would think if, if you have your wife calling you and barely being able to speak and going in and out you would think something would be wrong and, and then especially if she's going over to someone that he knows would be abusive I'm pretty sure she told him you'd be like oh well something's probably going on so let me call the police and say hey she went over to her ex's house to get her kids and she tried to call me and she don't sound like she's good yeah I think he probably told him the first time I don't know if he did the second time though so the dispatcher was not taking her serious because of how she sounded because she is barely alive and she keeps blacking out. And the dispatcher was being rude and hung up on her. Yeah, they probably thought she was some cracked out woman being able to barely speak and be like, all right, this is just a prank call. Yes. Actually, I'll let you listen to the um, recording and then we'll 
either insert it here or we just insert it on our TikTok or our Instagram so you can check it out. Just about what I thought. Figured they'd probably think it was a prank call and just was like, eh, I'm not gonna take it seriously. Yeah, I thought it was really rude how she was talking. I'm like, even if it's a prank, you need to take it serious. Like, I thought that's how they did it. So she keeps blacking out. Um, so she starts trying to scratch off the duct the duct tape and knocks the try to knock the lid off the trash can. Um so she gets her hand out from the tarp and she starts waving her hand. She's still in the back of the truck at this point. And she's waving her hand trying to get out or get someone's attention at least. Um, and then David saw that her hand was waving. So he stopped the truck and then he began to beat her again. And she decides to act dead again because he told her, if you do this again, I'm going to pull out my gun and shoot you. And she was terrified at that happening, so she kept playing dead. Yeah, people are crazy. I mean, like, they really do all this stuff. And it's like, do you really want to almost kill someone or go to jail for the rest of your life for something just because someone doesn't love you no more because you're, like, mentally unstable? Then she heard him moving and put stuff on top of her. And she heard a door shut. And she waited. And she began to scream his name. Because that's the first thing she could think of. Like, if she screamed his name, maybe he would change his mind. Maybe he would stop. Um, Then she didn't hear anything from anybody. So then she began to scream for help. And she no longer had her phone. He took it from her when she was blacked out. She tries to push the lid off, but she can't because of all the duct tape and the boxes on top. She starts to run out of air. Um, So now we're going back to the police. They find a business card for a storage unit in his pocket, and they call the police, uh, the place, and ask if he had been there that day. And they say yes. The police get to the storage unit, and they hear noises, and they yell for her. But she was so scared that it was David again that she stopped making noises. Um, they see the garbage can, and see it was her. She didn't look like she was alive when they opened the lid. She didn't even look like a human at that point. She was so crammed in there with all the snow and stuff. And it was 27 degrees in that storage unit. He's trying to preserve her almost where she didn't rot as fast and I guess he'd probably come back and dump her somewhere else. Probably. He was probably going to come back and take her somewhere else. But I would think, like, if the police already knew that he's been to the storage unit place and he's already suspect on that, they wouldn't even really bother to, you know, ask for her, yell for her, just go ahead and open up that unit and pull it up because you have you already have probable cause. Yeah, yeah, because when they first showed up there, they heard a yell, but 
Then she heard the cops, but she thought it was him. Which I understand. I'd be terrified as well. Because I'd be like, oh my god, he's back to take me somewhere else and bury me. So they rush her to the hospital. And when, they, when she gets there, they say she was just hours away from dying from hypothermia. And then they had to amputate all her toes from frostbite. And she unfortunately lost her baby. And she had 10 different surgeries. This all happened in 26 hours. So from the beginning of her, um, him beating her till they save her. So 26 hours. And like, I feel like being in that situation, like, I feel like you could handle it better where, yeah, you've been beaten and almost died and lost your toes and all this other stuff. But I feel like one thing that she probably had a hard time dealing with was losing her baby. Yeah. Because that was her and her new husband's first kid. And she just found out the day before. But I'm glad that the cops were like on this case. Because like they said in the hospital, she could have died just a couple hours more. Yeah, it's not like the cops nowadays where they'll wait for hours and hours before they're able to do anything instead of actually doing their job and you know risking their own lives to save your save us like they're supposed to so the police tell david that she was alive and he said he had nothing to do with it yeah okay whatever <laughs> he was sent to prison for 35 years in those years he tried to escape by faking a medical emergency emergency <laughs> but he was caught and he was moved to a heavy duty maximum security yeah, that's a uh, that's definitely someone that has a severe mental, you know, disability in them that's just making them go crazy, and they'll do anything to try to get out of the situation. And I guarantee you, if they let him out, he probably would have searched down her and kill her. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't say anywhere that he got the death penalty. I don't know. Maybe they don't have that there because you know some states they don't have the death penalty. Um, but at least he's in maximum security. I don't think he'll ever get out. I didn't see anywhere that said that he had like parole. Which I don't think he would. I don't think I don't think he should get it. Thing is, depending on when this case was done, then this is the early two thousand no two thousand and four two thousand four. Is that thirty something years? Um, 20 30 some years 2004 was not 30 years ago no I'm talking about his sentence oh 35 years <laughs> I was like what no I wasn't saying like that many years ago I'm saying like what was his sentence I was like are we in the future <laughs> so that means technically within the next 10 or 10-15 years or so yeah. No, almost about 10 years, maybe a little over 10 years, and he's apparently supposed to get out, but... I don't know. I hope not. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, if he gets out and he's still on that revenge raid, he might try to track her down, especially now since the uh, story's out. But then again, if anything happened to her, who's the number one suspect they're going to go with? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the dude that tried to kill her before is out on the... 
is out in the pro and you know it's like oh who did it yeah. oh, I don't know maybe the dude that tried to kill her the first time <laughs> yep but that's the story of Terry Nicola my thoughts on this is she's a very strong woman to go through a whole beating pretend to be dead get beat up again inside squashed in a garbage can filled with snow but I think she mostly did it for children in my opinion I mean, I feel like she would definitely much rather risk her own life and make sure her children are safe. Because, like, something like that, I mean, no one would know what to do unless they're actually put in that situation. Because people can be like, oh, I can kind of see, you know, how they did that. Like, you know, and you can't, there's no way you can know how you can, how you're going to act in a flight or die situation unless you're in it so then when you got her trying her absolute best to call the cops and all this other stuff to be like hey this is going on please come help me you don't know how that is and then with how strong she was to actually be able to do that I mean just just imagine getting walloped in the head and all over the body with a baseball bat and still having the strength to call the police and even without the modern technology today where you can just hold your power button and automatically call she had to find the numbers herself in a pitch dark thing and then call and use all her strength to try to even describe what's going on yeah because she couldn't see she couldn't talk good thing the phones back then had a little bubble number so you could feel like the little tactile stuff and on top of that, this is a good thing that the police was actually on top of it. Yeah. And they actually responding, responded in the right amount of time because, like they said, if they didn't show up two hours later, you know, she would have been dead. Yeah, because I've read some cases where they give it days and then they're like, okay, we'll start looking for them. Because usually, like, if an adult goes missing, they won't take it seriously and they will be like, uh... Maybe they just ran away, but I think they might have been more serious just because of all the stuff that she had to go to the police for about him, all the abusing, and then she also had the, what was it again? The, uh, what's it called? The restraining order? Yeah, restraining order against him and just his behavior towards her. And they were like, oh, we're going to hurry up and get on this case. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I understand that they're going to jump on a case when they already have that person already have issues with another person. But at the same time, there's plenty of other cases where someone's missing. They wait this couple of days. And even if they waited one day, then started one day sooner than what they originally did, they could have saved her. But then they waited that extra day and that extra day cost her life. Or anything like that. Like, I feel like if you have a person missing thing, you should at least do something to try to, you know, go to last known location, ask people that she's been, you know, around more so than none. But the whole, oh, we'll wait a couple of days, see if anything turns up, then we'll search. That's usually what causes those people to die because they're not on their toes about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she also has a book. It's called Left for Dead. Um, it's on. It's on. If anyone wants to check it out, read it. Um, it's more detailed about what happened and 
All right. Well, that was a close one. Yeah, that was a real close one indeed. Um, wasn't as graphic as the last one. I mean, she did have both of her arms after this, but I mean, I feel like she had a bunch of physical therapy when it comes to walking again, considering she had to lose her toes. She had a lot of surgeries. I think 10, 10 surgeries. And I'm just glad that she's okay and that her kids are okay. And I think I've, I'm pretty sure even if you have all your toes, but you don't have your big toe, it'd be very hard to walk because you pretty much use your big toe to balance. So then just imagine <laughs> not having nothing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What's for, so funny? Thanks for the information. Everyone, I hope you have your big toes because <laughs> you won't be able to balance, okay? <laughs> it's very important. All right. Um, make sure to follow her Instagram at that dot was a close one follow our tiktok at that was a close one pope don't forget to comment and if you guys have any personal dear near-death experiences and would like us to tell you about them email us at that was a close one three four eight at gmail.com and we'll share it here on the podcast the sources for the story are myracinecounty.com cispeakers.com and womansday.com for the intro and outro songs it is stream beats by harris heller and the background music is from ghost stories incorporated both of which can be found on spotify all right also we are on spotify so don't forget to follow and rate us there as well goodbye